This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Psalm 73 this morning, it is, it is a uh, Psalm of Asaph and it actually answers a age old question. You could almost take this song, you could take this song. This is how relevant for today it is and apply it to the world we live in right now as if it was, as if it was written uh, by somebody contemporary to us right today and placed it in a magazine or in the newspaper or a, a, a monologue on a, on a TV show and it would have absolute relevance today because it is just all of scriptures that way but those who have ears to hear and eyes to see are the ones who understand that but this one is so it, it is so on the money for why certain people struggle with wickedness in the world struggle with those who who reject god in the world and i love this psalm it is it is fabulous he said truly god is good to israel i'm sorry Did I go to the wrong one? I may have. Uh, Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. No, I was in the right one. I don't know why. It just threw me off there for a second. Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. What he's saying is he's starting off with the presupposition that God is good to those who are purely chasing after him, whose hearts are turned toward him. But then he says, and he says truly, so he knows it's true, but he's got a question. He says, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, which means in my walk, something had caused me a problem. I, my, my steps had nearly slipped is what he says. He says, I, I, I couldn't understand this. And I didn't get why this is the case because he says, surely God's taken care of. He's good to his people. But when I saw this dichotomy, this this anathema to my mind, this thing that just I could not get my mind wrapped around it, he said, it caused me to almost stumble. It caused me to almost fall. He says, for I was envious of the boastful. Now he's talking about those who are proud and arrogant. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, and he's talking about He's talking about those he saw out there who seemed to be prosperous, seemed to be doing well, seemed to be rich and glamorous, seemed to have, as it were, the world by the tail, seemed to be in total control. We see it less and less because the, the TV ratings for the Oscars or the Globe Awards where you're seeing all these all these radicals, these folks who are involved in in. in forms of wickedness really, but forms of, of sin and terribleness that are that seem to be prosperous. He says, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped for I was env- envious of the boastful. 
When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, it says for there, there are no pangs in their death, meaning it seems like even in death, they're glorious and they're glorified. Oftentimes they, even, even when they die young, they're treated like they're heroes. Even when it's drug overdoses and things like that, he says, and their strength is firm, which means it seems like they are, they've got it all going on and everything is wonderful for them. They are not in trouble as other men, meaning they have no no troubles of the heart. Now, remember, this is the perception he has of them. This is how they are perceived. This is how they are portrayed in the world. This is their face to the world. This is how they present themselves. And this is how the world also receives them. And so it's not, now what he's talking about is the way he perceives them. Now, perception and reality, uh, uh, a lot of people say perception is reality. But the truth is, it's not reality. And perception is just your take on how something is presented. Reality is God's view of how things is, are presented. Reality is God's view of how things actually are. And how you present them or how you package them or how you prepare them for public consumption is irrelevant to God's view of reality because his reality is sure and pure and he knows exactly what it is because he is the truth. He says, he says, they're not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. This is important. These, the, this verse six is pride serves as their necklace. They're very prideful and arrogant about their wickedness and their sinfulness and their ability to act upon it and do it with impunity, meaning it has no effect on them. He says, violence covers them like a garment. And anytime you read that word violence, it is talking about the shedding of blood and more importantly, the shedding of innocent blood. This idea in the Old Testament, and you'll run across it a lot, uh, about God hating the violence of men. He's not talking about war. He's not talking about, and, and, and not to say God's against, is for war, but God does war against evil. He's not talking about that. What he's talking about, you'll oftentimes you'll hear, you'll, you'll see it in the context of violence, against husbands being, having violence against their wives, which literally means to be physically violent and, and even, even take their life. And especially when he says, you cover yourselves in violence like a garment. That is literally the taking of life. And, and more importantly, the violence that this is speaking of or the taking of life that this is speaking of involves two different things. Either a person that is innocent or a person who you have some responsibility of protection for. And, and that might be a family member. That might be a, someone who serves you, someone who who has uh, been faithful to you and been a good employee or something like that. And, and this idea of clothing yourselves in violence, this idea of that is the taking of innocent life and, and the taking of young life. And what, what I would say to you about this is it's a very important principle in scripture. God hates this. God does not forgive. He told the children of Israel because they had sacrificed their children in the Valley of Shinar, that in the in, in Megiddo, that he he would forgive all their sins and transgressions, but but that sin 
that violence, he would not forgive. He would not release them <clears throat> from the uh, from the consequences. Remember, forgiveness is releasing you from the punishment and the pain of sin. He said, I will not forgive that. The taking of innocent human life, he would not forgive. And and you need to understand that, that we live in a country that that takes somewhere in the neighborhood of 750 to 1.25 million babies a year. And those who get on TV and revel in it, push it, are are the people that this is talking about. And they will they, and to cover it up, and, and that's what they do, they cover it up with some worldly argument about some right that does not exist is is to God it is vicious and vile. He says, therefore pride uh, serves as their necklace. They they wear it proudly. It blings for them, and violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than their heart could wish. They just can't help themselves. They just got to keep buying more and more. Everything their eyes see, their eyes bulge with abundance. That's a beautiful metaphor for uh, they whatever their eyes see, they want and they take. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They 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 literally in our day and age they talk about how terrible people are oppressed and they are the oppressors. They they talk about how people are oppressed and and ruined and they're the ones who are doing it. They're the ones who are keeping people down. They're the ones who are treating people as if they're lesser than them and and they're the ones to protect them. And yet they're not. He said they speak loftily, loftily meaning they they have the, all these these beautiful thoughts about how people are doing been uh, done wrong, and then immediately the things they say that others are doing against people, whatever the situation may be, it might have to do with race, or it have, might have to do with class, where people are in the in the in the socioeconomic range, or maybe have to do with whether they're male or female, and now they come up with all kinds of other genders as if those things actually exist. And they talk about how loftily, how we we don't take care of them. I think about, and I can't remember her name, but she's a comedian who has a daily TV show. And she's supposed to be this paragon of virtue, paragon of, of taking care of and standing up for uh, those who are oppressed. And the truth is she is just one of the most nasty, vile individuals you ever want to be around and that you ever want to work for. And all of her, all the people who work for her have said that she is horrible. Why? Because she's this person. She's, they speak loftily. They act like they're these paragons of virtue. And really, they don't care for anybody around them. They don't care for the weak and the, those who are hurt. And that is a true sign of a believer is someone who actually cares for the weak around them. Not caring for them so that everybody sees that they care for them, but literally trying to do what's in their best interest, helping them what is important and what needs to be done in their lives. And uh, and that that is a process. That's a holding somebody's hand process <clears throat> through life where you might actually, it might actually cost you something to actually help them. It might, might cost you something to put them in a position where they can have God's best for them, which they don't, they struggle with. He said, they set their mouth against the heavens, meaning... <clears throat> They speak evil of God and their tongues walk through the earth. They're just always talking, always telling us about how 
uh, wonderful their, their, their causes are in the world. And then it says, then he says this, and now we get the term. He says, therefore his people return here and waters of full cup are drained by them. And they say, how does, I'm sorry, the term comes at verse 15. He says, therefore his people return here and waters full cup are drained by them, meaning they destroy them. They don't nourish, they destroy. He says, and they say, how does God know? And is there knowledge in the most high? And they mock God. They mock God as if it's, he says, behold, these are the ungodly who are always, they increase in riches. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain. And now he's saying, surely I have, I, why am I living like this? Why am I chasing after God when, when that's the way to go, the way to be prosperous? He says, and wash my hands in innocent. He says, I've done, I've done what I should have done. I've helped. I've, I've been the person I should have. And has that really helped me? And that question is a real question that believers ask. It is a real question. After they see all this wickedness and violence, after it pours out of your TV, and, and that's partly your pro your fault because you're watching those channels, but after after it pours out of your, your social media accounts, and that's your problem because you're following those people. But he says, after I've seen all this, surely I've cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. I, 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 what, what have I done? Why am I... Uh, trying to walk with God when nothing happens to those who aren't and are clearly uh, pushing wickedness. He says, for all day long, I have been plagued and chased every morning and chastened every morning, meaning I'm struggling with my sin and that's a reality. And I'm struggling with who I am and trying to become a better person. And what good has it done me? He's asking this question and, and it's a relevant question for believers. It's something that believers ask. It's relevant for even the moment we live in today. He says, if I had said I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generations of your children. What he's saying is, all this stuff that I just said is untrue, and it's untrue, and it's been untrue. He's saying, I, listen, the truth is that, that that is what you're perceiving, but perception is not reality in this case. He says, when I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me, which means the struggle to really understand what's going on here is a real struggle and it's difficult. He says, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. Meaning I, when I went in that Holy of Holies where we talk about that going to the altar of God, going and meeting God at his altar, that's a place to go that has power. That's a place to go that has might. He said, when I thought how to understand this, I was, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. Surely you set them in slippery places, which means even though it seems like they're way high up there, their feet are on slippery surfaces. You cast them down to destruction, which means you bring them down quickly. And let me tell you, as quickly as people rise in, the, in that world, they fall also at that quickly in that world. Oh, how they are brought to desolation as, it, as in a moment, meaning you, they're on top of the world and the next thing they're at the bottom, they're, they're in nothingness. And once you actually 
and step back and think about it, it's true. It's true. The vilest and the worst of them are always falling apart immediately. He says, they are utterly consumed with terrors. <clears throat> and this is something that you don't, have, you don't know and you can't see. He says, they're consumed with terrors, which means they're afraid of everything around them. They're, they're trying to keep their fame together. They're trying to hold their position on top of that rock. They're trying to actually have some of the goodness that comes from God, the grace, common grace in the world, the family and friends and, and loved ones and uh, a peace of heart and peace of mind. They're trying to, they're trying to have those common grace things that God has placed in the world uh, that are common to everyone because of us. That grace that just is all over the place. He says, he says, when I thought, he says, they are utterly consumed with terrors, which means that, that their fear is fear of everything around them. And there's no peace in that. And you can't tell that. And you don't know that. And that's why drug abuse is so common among them because they have to get away from the fear of losing or the fear of not having or really the pain and emptiness that their riches and fame have brought them. He says, as a dream one, uh, when one wakes, so Lord, when you awake, you shall despise their image. And what he's saying is they're just a dream. They're just a passing fancy. And when God figures it out, he despises them. He sees them. He says, thus my heart was grieved and I was vexed in my mind. I was so foolish and ignorant as was like a beast before you, which means, why didn't I see that they couldn't, that that's not actually real? Why didn't I see that that's not reality? Why did I allow, why did I allow the, the spin of the day or the boast of the moment or the pride and arrogance that I see from them? Why did I let them, why did I let them, let that convince me? He says, I, I was grieved when I figured it out. Oh, how, I mean, it's one of those things where you go, I can't believe I thought that. I can't believe that I thought that they had something that I wanted and that their position was something that was going to be eternal and just they were always going to be in power and control. They're not. He said, it vexed my mind why I thought that. And I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. And remember, ignorant does not mean stupid, not mean in, unable to understand. It just means you don't have the knowledge yet. He said, I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you, which means I, I go into your sanctuary and I'm with you. You hold me by my right hand, which means you lead me into this, these understandings and these knowledges. You guide me in your counsel and afterwards receive me to glory, which means you teach me these things. You show me this stuff, even though I'm foolish and ignorant and my view of the world is not a real view of the world. It's not reality. It's not truth. Yours is. You lead me by the hand and teach me these things. He says, whom have I in heaven but you? Meaning there's no one above you and, and, and there's no one in between me and you. And so if I'm here at the bottom and you're all the way at the top, uh, I don't have anybody up there but you. And, and the truth is there, there's no one in between me and you. Uh, he says, and there's none upon earth that I desire besides you. What he's saying is I looked at them and I thought how 
wonderful and amazing their lives must be. And then I realized that no, they weren't. And actually their lives are full of terror and terribleness and, and they're quickly cut down. And I realized I, I really only desire God. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He's saying I, my, my flesh and my heart, it, it fails, it, it doesn't have strength but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. He says, they're all gonna go away and they're gonna be destroyed. Those who worship other gods, who harlotry is always a picture of choosing other gods, placing other gods before him. He says, you're going to destroy that. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I've put my trust in the Lord God. We talked about that a lot yesterday in trusting Jesus. He says, but it is good for me to draw near to God. It, it, that's what the best is for me to draw near to God. He says that I may declare all your works, that I might, that I might now look at what you do and declare what you do to magnify what you do, to glorify what God's in, in the business of, uh, of being a part of, the works of his hands, the meditations of his heart. Now I look at God and I think how puny and nothing they were that I used to, that I used to glorify in my own heart and mind and how little they actually have and how ignorant they actually are of reality and the truth. He says, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. It is good to draw near to God, isn't it? It's, it's good to, to know him. It's good to trust him. It's good to have that faith, uh, that hope, that belief in, in our God. And there's peace in that, that I may declare all your works. I think of, I think of the works that, that God has done in my life. And I also consider my desire for those grandiose things and, and my own wicked heart and, and the things that uh, the lust of my flesh that plague me. And it is good to, to enter into his presence and to allow him to show us his perspective on things. Because those things that my heart wanted, my heart desired, and those things that my, my eyes magnified and made great and, and, and pushed up and said, these are the things I want to attain to. The truth is they're, they're vapid. They're like a vapor. They're here today and gone tomorrow. Here today, gone tomorrow. But God's not. And when I stand with him, I stand on solid ground. And there is no slipping or falling. And as we head into the week and all its difficulties and troubles, but also all its opportunities and uh, blessings, as we head into this, we need to realize that the way the world presents itself and and colors itself as, as as something that is wonderful and beautiful, the truth is it's just a mirage and it's to cover up the decadence and the filth and the waste that it is and that God is, is giving us his very best. And that is the peace and the grace that he uh, provides us each and every day as we go through these world, this world of struggles and the power that he endues us with because we trust him. Faithfulness always brings about the power of God in a person's life. And we have that and you have that. And I want to encourage you in that.
As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.